you've got a Bible, we're going to be looking at Jesus' inner thinking. We are getting inside of his thinking, inside of what he really taught was the parables. And he tells stories with a meaning. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 5, and if you've got a Bible, we'll go to verse 33. And uh, I just want to give you the context of this parable. We're going to talk about new and old wineskins. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and they make it very serious, as do the disciples of the very respected Pharisees. Oh, they're just the greatest. But yours go eating and drinking and singing happy songs saying, Jigaloo Moo now. Uh, By the way, that bit wasn't in the Bible. I'm just adding those bits in. And Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days they'll fast. And then he told them this parable, this story with a meaning. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. The patch does not match. If you try and patch it, you won't match it. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. If God wants to give you a new wine, You've got to make a new space for it. After no, and no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new. They say the old is better. I don't know about you, but have you met those people who every time there's an Apple update, they're straight away updating their Apple phone? Or, or every time there's a new iPad, they get the new iPad straight away. And they are continually updating and going for the new. I, I get a little worried about the thinking that says, uh, out with the old and completely always go with the new. As if everything that's gone before is not good. Do you think that that's really what Jesus is teaching here? That everything that's old is not good and we only want the new. There are some people like that. There's another question that strikes me as well. Is what is the real new part of Christianity that is instantly new and what part kind of comes gradually? Uh, We have lots of new things but what's instantly new and what comes gradually? Gradually, let me try and answer some of those things together. In Scripture, we are definitely told that there, when you come to Jesus, there is a new, complete element to being a Christian. In fact, it's not just an element, the Bible says we become a new creation. 
2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the new has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. So what's new? You have been given a new standing before God. When you used to stand off distant and not really knowing him and just hearing whispers, he says, no, you can stand in my presence and you can be close to me. You have been instantly forgiven when you come to God. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace. That's what Ephesians 1 verse 7 says. We're instantly forgiven. You have been given instantly a new nature on the inside. Deep inside your fabric, there is something new about you that wasn't there before. And it's the ability now to follow God and to be attracted to Him and to become all what God wants you to be. God made him who had no sin to become sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. You used to have a nature and a leading and a bias in your heart that was always attracted to the wrong thing and the negative thing and the poor thing. But when you came to Christ, instantly God gave you a new nature so that if you stop looking at that old nature and allowing that to feed you and allow this new nature to feed you, you can follow God. That's new. That's instantly new. You've been given a new purpose and a new destiny. Next Sunday is February the 17th, but February the 17th in 1973 was when I bowed my head to Jesus and gave my heart to Jesus for the first time on a Sunday night at 7.30. I gave my heart to Jesus. And as well as feeling forgiven, as I lifted my head, a tremendous sense of new purpose came to me. You have been given a new destiny, a new purpose. Paul actually says in Corinthians 5, he says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are home in the body or away. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and he will judge what each one of us has done in our body. We must understand he's given us instantly a new destiny. What we cannot do is to try and fit all these new things that God has done for us into an old lifestyle and an old purpose. That's the heart of what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, don't try and fit all my new offer of my new life and Everything I'm doing for you, don't try and fit that into your old life without Christ. Don't just modify your life. Allow me to breathe a new life into you. You can't fit it into the old life. Now, Jesus is not saying that we can't gain experience from what we already know. He's not saying that, we, that everything that we've understood, even before we're a Christian, is of no value. He is saying that some things just won't mix. In fact, Jesus says about the teachers of the kingdom that the wise man brings the old and new treasures out of the storehouse. God has put some great things in you. Don't dismiss them. 
God wired you a certain way even before birth, uh, even at, from your birth. Don't dismiss them. But what he is saying is you cannot mix. You cannot try and fit this new life has, that Jesus has given you into old thinking patterns and into old ways of just what you think is the right way of doing things. From your culture, from your family, from your background. Don't just assume that how you do it is right. You need to ask Jesus, is this the way that I should go forward? Because it doesn't work. They both get damaged. They tear each other apart. Certainly, the original hearers of this story... The Jewish leaders thought that Christianity was just a little bolt-on to the Jewish religion. Oh, well, you can have that, but bring it into what we're already doing. And Jesus was saying, no, this is something completely new. In fact, I've looked up every single reference in the scripture to new wine. Over 45 different references. And, can, and certainly through the Old Testament, when God says he's bringing new wine, it's a sign of blessing, prosperity, and his favor. He actually says this is, this is a symbol of abundant blessing. So when Jesus uses this phrase, you can't put new wine, all those Jewish hearers would have had their ears set alight by saying, hang on, he's saying the abundant provision and blessing of God, the favor of God, something new from God. Because throughout the Old Testament, it was like a new offering or new purpose or new prosperity. When God says, I'm giving you new wine, he was saying, I was giving you great blessing. When Jesus uses this, he's saying, you can't fit what I'm doing into your old way of thinking. It's too big. It's too new. It's a way better offer than just modifying your religion. You see, the basic lesson for us is that we need to let our relationship with Jesus be all that it can be and stop trying to make it acceptable to everybody and just let it be what it is. That we say to ourselves, it's going to stand up on its own. Stop trying to modify it. Stop trying to mix it with everything. And just let Jesus be Jesus. Let his life, let the truth of the word of God be the truth of the word of God. And let it all just flow in that way. One of the radical things that we need to learn is that our new nature in Christ gives us all the possibility of real change. Now, when pastors and preachers talk about change, it seems as if what you are now isn't good. But on the basis of what Christ has already done, some of us are looking forward and saying, I don't know whether I can change anymore. Or some of you may think where you are right now, it's so hard to change. But this is what the Bible says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Let me pause there. When you feed the old desires, those desires are corrupting you. And what the Bible means by that is, is like you break apart bread and, and make it into crumbs, that you disintegrate something. But actually, don't, 
Don't for one minute think, oh, it's okay. I can mix this old thinking with the new thinking. It's okay. That old thinking is actually disintegrating your strength and your fabric on the inside. And that's what this scripture means. A former way of life, you were told to put it off, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. To be made new and be made new in the attitude of your mind. You have got to feed that new nature that God has placed in you. He's put it there. You have the equipment. You have the apparatus. You have the fiber. If you've come to Jesus, God has placed his spirit in you. And your life in Christ and your change in Christ is entirely doable. I want to proclaim, in fact, I feel in my spirit, I've got to push back at a stronghold right now that says, this won't work for me. It will work for you. It's doable because Christ has put it there. But listen, it takes a new approach. It takes partnering with the living God and with the new life. And as you do that, it will come. I know some of you are struggling, but it will come. You've got to feed it. You've got to focus on it and stop turning around to the past. Why would we want to try and mend and mix and make do such a radical offer in Jesus? What is it about that old, comfortable way of doing things and life and our upbringing and our cultures that is so attractive when Jesus is standing over here saying, I've got new wine. I've got a new garment of praise. In fact, the garment in this parable is probably a wedding garment. Could you imagine going on your wedding day and there's a tear and a patch on it? And you think, oh, how attractive. How beautiful. Let me just rip my wedding dress. And mind you, if there's punk rockers in the place, they're probably saying, yeah, fashion, you know, and all that. But I should have preached this in my ripped jeans, shouldn't I? Kev, do you want to just come rip my trousers just for a minute? No, no, please. But why would you do that? Why would you think that it's attractive To mend and try to mend the Christian life. What is it in your mindset that you're thinking, oh, this is fine. When Jesus all along is saying, I died for you. I shed my blood for you. I want to pour my spirit into you. I want to change you from the inside. Receive that offer. Don't try and mix it. But the ways that we try and make our new life old is first... We try and mend our lives instead of transforming our lives. When we do this, both is ruined. The theme scripture for our church is 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now I'm not just talking about a style, but can I just say... When we're thinking, we're singing, walking in power, walking in miracles. Some of you just need to get into that. Have a bit of freedom. 
You know, I'm not talking style. I'm talking actually a posture before God. I know who I am in God. And I'm free. You see, you didn't see me as that alien little boy in Stoke-on-Trent who thought nothing would ever good happen to him. But Christ came into my life and freedom broke out for me. The Spirit of the Lord, where He is, there is freedom. And then the Scripture goes on and says... And we all, with unveiled faces, when we contemplate the Lord's glory, when we focus on Him, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is His Spirit. God is changing you bit by bit as you contemplate Him. You see, we seek to mend our lives when we don't think we can change. As I just mentioned, I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, and and kind of the collective mindset in Stoke-on-Trent is that that we're kind of not really deserving of of nothing really great. There's a negative collective self-esteem. And when we are like that, we, we see that what we are now, that we think that's what it'll always be. And so we try and patch our lives up with, with a few thoughts. And You see, some of the changes in Christianity, they are instant. And some are gradual. You see, sin is instantly forgiven and its power is broken in your life. The, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God... But but we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. We are given now forgiveness instantly. But listen to this. The thinking that causes us to sin is gradually changed. We kind of have to get out of the habit of it. The strongholds, the thinking strongholds, are demolished instantly by God's power and God's truth. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We can demolish the things. And some of you are living in strongholds. And actually, if you could see a picture of it, there are ruins around you. You just need to step out of the ruins. But the habits of you operating in those habits and strongholds are gradually reprogrammed. One verse further down, it says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And and actually in this scripture, it means every thought pattern. We make it obedient to Christ. We say, that which I've been thinking Does that reflect what Christ has for me? If it doesn't, I'm going to say, no, I am choosing to believe what Christ has for me. That may happen over time. The power of it, God has dealt with it. It's dealt with it. You now have got to take it captive and begin to say, no, I'm not believing that anymore. I've believed that all my life. My parents told me that. My background told me that. My culture told me that. But I'm now hearing something different in Christ. So I'm taking that and making that captive to Christ. And I choose to believe Him. That may take a while. But the sooner you do it, the more free you are. 
I want to say something to you. Addiction and the power of addiction is broken and removed. The maturity to live free of addiction takes a little bit of time. But can I declare to you on the authority of Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body that ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The, the power of that addiction is broken. But listen to what the Bible says. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. See, what you've got to do is stop offering your thinking to that addiction. You've got to challenge the thought that says, I need this. You've got to challenge that thought and offer yourself to God. And as you offer yourself to God, He gives you the strength to turn your back on it and walk free. Who are you offering yourself to? It's really important that you begin to believe, I can't mix and match. Here's the important thing. You can't add just a few positive thoughts and, and cliches to a broken life and, and kind of patch it up. A patch does not match. You have to turn your life over to the transforming power of God and it will create a base in you from which you can actually grow. The reason why some of us are not growing is because we are, we're trying to mend our lives instead of surrendering our lives. It's time to surrender. It's time to say, God, I, I give up to you. I trust you. Wherever you take me, wherever the Spirit takes me, wherever the flow is, I want to go there. I'm not going to try and fit you into what I think I should do. I'm actually going to say, God, what do you think I should do? I'm going there. Surrender. And it's one of the most mature things that you can do as a person. We try and make our new life old by trying to mix our old life with our new life. Or we try and mix our new life with our old life. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to be the relatable people who create a bridge to the world so that we don't just have one conversation. That No, we can't talk about anything but the Bible. We need to be able to talk about other things and, and create a bridge to the world so that we can share the love of Jesus with them. If you're a one-subject person, guess what you are? Boring. <laughs> we need to create a bridge. And so we need to relate. But our values, our motivations, must now have a different source. You must come from a different angle. I want to read to you. Something that Paul quoted in the New Testament, he took it from the Old Testament, it sounds ever so old-fashioned, 
And, and can I say that some Pentecostal churches have taken these verses to, to mean just the way you dress, etc. And it's much more radical than that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, the promises of of God being a father, not a distant, angry person, Father God, since I've got these promises that I can be a son, I can be a daughter, that I can be in relationship, that I can be changed, Since I've got these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from anything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. There are some practices, some physical things that we are doing that we now need to say, you know what, that's contaminating me. Let me... And there are some attitudes that are on the inside that we need to say, I need to stop doing that. Let me just do the obvious Christian thing and pick on smoking. Okay? And, and you know what? If you're a smoker in the house, Christians always pick on you. So I want to just apologize for the Christian community right now. You know, we look at smoking as if it's the biggest sin in the world. But I just want to say, anger, jealousy, backbiting, gossip, that's just as much an offense to God as anybody who's taking drugs and anybody who's smoking and anybody who perhaps has a little bit much too wine. Don't you agree, church? You know, so let's, let's deal with some attitudes of gossip, idle talk, slander, jealousy, envy. Let's deal with those attitudes because they contaminate our spirit. But you know, some of the things that that we have, those addictions, and you say, well, it's okay, Christ, I'm full of grace, and God loves, loves me. God's saying, look, if you don't feed them, I can fill you more with more what I have. Here's a test. After you've done it, do you feel like serving him more or not? If you fill your life with whatever addiction it is, after you've done it, do you feel like serving him more or not? God wants to break that in your life and set you free. I've had people who've come to this place as one thing and leave at the altar their junk and walk out that door completely free. That could be you today. With some of you, you're going to struggle, but you can still be free because it will be more gradual with you. We make our life old when we think we can just mix it instead of taking Jesus at his full offer. We make our life old when we, we try and fit our lives into a religious structure and practices And actually, this is what Jesus really meant to the Jewish leaders of the day. He said, you can't just fit Christianity into your old Jewish religion. And we can get too hung up on 
on religious rules or when to fast, when not to fast. In fact, in Colossians, it says, don't let people judge you by what you eat or you drink and keeping that festival or that festival or that fast. In fact, it says, leave behind the laws that says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, don't, 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 don't. What are you going to do? Actually, by don'ting, you're not doing. In fact, let me say to you, that none of the fasts in the scriptures are just about personal purity. They're often for breakthrough or dedication of ministry. So those people of you who are denying yourself to get pure to God, that's a very low fast in the Bible. In fact, Colossians says, these false humility, harsh treatments of the body lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So don't try and fit your life into some religious structure. You see, we all need a new structure. New wine needs a new wineskin. It needs a new way of thinking, a new way of behaving. It still needs a structure. It still needs a wineskin, but it's new. This is the test. Is what you do in your faith making you feel more alive or is it just a dead routine? You know what? Some of us, we're very proud about our Muslim friends. We say things like, oh, they only pray five times a day and they just lie down on a mat, but we are free in Jesus. How's your times with the Lord? Are they wild and free? Or are you just ticking a box too? You see, the test is, whether or not that which you do brings you life and purpose and wisdom. And on Wednesday night, we're going to do some real praying into life and purpose. So don't try and fit your life into just a routine. Is your faith making you alive or is it just a routine? Last thing, we make our lives old by trying to contain it and mold it into the wrong standards. We, we tell ourselves, oh no, I, I, Jesus, can you just help me because I'm a perfectionist. I, I can't make any mistakes. I, I need to be a high performer. And the new life of Jesus will burst those structures all the time. Because you know what? I found out there's only one perfect one. And that's him himself. In fact, somebody came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And he said, good? You call me good? There's only God who's good. And if you're calling me good, you're calling me God. Deal with that. Do you think I'm God? And so what I'd say to you today is, we need to let Jesus burst those structures that say, oh, I've got to be perfect at everything. Oh, I can't make a mistake. And everybody's opinion is, is much more important. God wants to journey with you and shape you. And you've picked up some of those perfectionist ideas from your family. You've picked up that because you couldn't please some people around you. You're striving and you're saying to yourself, you, you know what, I need to be this way. And it's an old wineskin. You've, you've fashioned your life in a mold that Jesus is going to come in and he's going to burst it. Peter was a fisherman. He was an experienced fisherman. And when he first encountered Jesus, Jesus said, go, go and fish over there. He said, Lord, we're not going to fish over there because there's so much 
The, 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 I've been out there last night and there's nothing there for me. And Jesus is saying, Peter, I want to burst your structures. Not only do I want to burst your net, I am actually going to sink your boat. And I believe that's what God wants to do to some of you today. You're saying, God, you couldn't possibly do that. And Jesus said, I can't possibly do what? Let me burst that net. Let me sink that boat. You see, Peter, you don't think that I can pay the temple tax. Uh, Well, you kind of do, but you'll tell a lie to say that I kind of can. But I'm going to send you out fishing, and I'm going to get you to catch a fish and open its mouth, and there's going to be a coin there, and I'll pay my temple tax. I don't need you to defend me, Peter. I'm going to burst your nets, and I'm going to sink your boat. I wonder what structures you're living in. That perfectionism that says, I've got to. I can't but I must. And Father's coming down saying, I can make you excellent. But you don't need to strive, my child. You're accepted by my grace. I wonder if you can hear that voice in your head saying, you're an oaf, you're stupid. And God is saying, you're my child. I wonder if you'll stand with me. It's a full structure in our lives is that we can only experience God at certain times. God wants you to experience him throughout the week and not just here on Sunday mornings. It's great here on Sunday mornings. But God wants to burst that structure in your mind that says, well, I can only experience God in this certain way. I wonder if you'll kind of raise your hand with me and say, God, I'm open and I'm surrendering right now to new encounters and new things in God. I've got a word for some of you. In fact, when I type this word out and when it... When I wrote this word down, I believe this was for some people. Just, just hold the baby just for a moment. This is a word for you. Don't, don't leave because it may be for you. But in the book of Isaiah, it says this. Just lift your hand with me. It says this. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. I'm going to say that again. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of us think to ourselves, I can only know you like this God. This is my personality. And God's saying, really? I want to break your net and sink your boat so that you fall into my grace. Some of you are saying, I can, I'm only going to serve you in this way. And God's saying, really? Really? I'm going to break your net and sink your boat and give you a new ministry. And you're going to have to swim to me. I just want you to understand today. Stop 
mixing and matching and mending, but go new. Have the courage to go new. You see, we like the familiar, don't we? In fact, Jesus even says it. He says, those of you who've had old wine, you, you will say, oh, the old is better. What Jesus is saying is, because you're so familiar with it, you're, you're not used to the new taste. He's not saying don't have new wine. He's saying you are stuck in the familiar. I just wonder today whether it's time for you to say, I'm open, God, to a new ministry. I'm open to some new people in my life. I'm open to some new patterns in my life. You see, don't get me wrong. If you want to learn a musical instrument, you've got to repeat some good things over and over again. You've got to practice some good things. And some of you, you don't need to throw away the good things that you know. You need to deepen in those. But are you sure that you are practicing good things or just repeating worn out religion that's not taking you anywhere? If it doesn't give you life, if it isn't pointing to destiny, you need to let it go. One more time, just lift your hands with me. If you want some new outcomes, as well as some new patterns, you have to take some new serving opportunities. If you want the new, you're going to have to make some room for the new. You're going to have to change some of your schedule. You're going to have to welcome some more people. You're going to have to ask God and say, God, is there a new area of service that you're calling me to? Some of you may have some addictions in this place. And you've been listening to them and saying they're so powerful, but God now wants to say, I want to break that over your life. Eating disorders, some thinking, some drinking, yeah, and I'll say it, some smoking, some weed taking, some pill popping. You need to now say, you know what, I, I, am, I am just going to leave that behind. So I'm going to ask some people to come and come to the front. And what you're going to do is you're saying, I'm leaving. I'm leaving it. But you know, for some others, you need to be open to receiving something new. Some new place of service. Some new thing that God wants to do in your life. And so you're going to come to the front because you're saying, I'm open to receiving and what the perfectionist in you is going to say, oh, I hope they don't think I'm coming up to give away drugs. Nobody's thinking anything. We're all just wanting more from God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. I just want more of you, God.